Hello and welcome to Mercury Now, a podcast series brought to you by Mercury Systems. I am your host, Ralph Gavares, and today's topic, display factors for your applications. As Mercury's acquisition of the American Panel Corporation last year has bought the display line into the fold. Uh, joining me is Jamie Belay, Business Development Manager for Mercury Mission Systems. Jamie, hello and welcome. Thanks very much, Ralph. Pleasure to be with you. So, Jamie, it, it's been almost nine months since uh, APC joined Mercury Systems. Can you tell our listeners uh, about that experience? Certainly. Coming from a small business perspective, uh, the former APC has been growing into the larger Mercury construct of a very matrixed organization. We understand how the Alpharetta business unit will benefit as well as contribute to the speed at which we both develop opportunities and achieve performance goals. Uh, however, while the challenge of accountability across the enterprise is no longer small, it does afford the opportunity to work with some incredible talent and to be able to take action in real time to affect outcomes. Fortunately as well, our partner LG Display, who I may reference an abbreviation as LGD, or LG Electronics as LGE, have continued their support of our product line development as they also continue to grow in scope and technology options. We're very excited about several evolving LG technologies that are now becoming available, which we intend to leverage towards our customer requirements. And we hope to be discussing these capabilities in a future podcast as well. Now, I, I understand the display line of products benefit from a longstanding relationship with LG. Uh, most people think of LG for you know electronics and appliances. Um, can you tell us how Mercury is using LG technology? Certainly. LG Display has produced really the majority of custom active matrix liquid crystal display product for the former American Panel Corporation, now Mercury, the Alpharetta business unit. That is in turn built up into the Mercury product offering. They continue to offer us the most advanced technology with the least risk, very deep support as well through their supply chain. In short, you know we have 25 plus years of working very, very closely uh, together. In, in partnership with LGD, we developed a new 10-bit color depth and corresponding grayscale within the AMLCD, leveraging early development in similar technology for the medical field, particularly towards use of uh, MRIs and CAT scans and the very, very high resolution required by radiologists to discern a problem. And while it's not exactly the same, uh, the same native Mercury AMLCD color depth is now being emulated through software algorithms for 4K televisions. So essentially, there you have a, a commercial product which was developed for 8-bit technology, and that's a 24-bit RGB red-green-blue scale that is then being upscaled to 10-bit technology or 30-bit RGB. The benefit of the 10-bit technology to the Mercury customer results in much better performance However, there, you don't have the same uh, higher platform network bandwidth requirements 
as overhead being required to achieve the same effect, particularly in an environment where the bandwidth may be constrained as a result of uh, older infrastructure. I know there will always be applications needing custom sizes or custom features. Now, however, how are you minimizing uh, vendor lock concerns when a customer is looking to use you know, newer technologies, such as a move from uh, commercial grade 4 3 laptop screens versus ruggedized widescreens? Ralph, that's an excellent question. Uh, one of the current challenges in both the development of new AMLCDs as well as adapting commercial AMLCDs to extreme environments is often that the human-machine interface and system-level platform and certification requirements lag the current technology trends and manufacturing. We see this as a developing unintended vendor lock that limits the opportunity to retroactively develop solutions supporting older design sizes and performance, which actually has the unintended effect of creating new vendor lock which was originally intended to be discarded through additional competition. This adds a, again, unintended additional non-recurring engineering cost to be added to the product price tag in seeking a refresh of an obsolete design. This design objective also, again, once again, unintentionally, creates a race to the bottom towards lowest cost, technically acceptable contract award methodology, which in, uh, in, in the rear view mirror of life uh, was mandated through sequestration and uh, those contracts uh, found favor versus the necessity for best value contracts for these unique, however obsolete, design requirements. Uh, interestingly enough, most recently, Defense Authorization Memorandum uh, removed the uh, LPTA, the lowest price technically acceptable language for the 2020 procurement and beyond. So hopefully we'll be back to a, a more level playing field where both performance through like performance uh, becomes a more significant metric vice just a short-term uh, procurement uh, price tag. When looking to upgrade their display or to move from analog to display technology. What is the biggest, you know, gotcha that should they should be aware of? So I kind of alluded to this uh, a moment ago, and that is basically the total cost of ownership tends to be minimized when the procurement agent or agency is refreshing a vehicle or rolling out a new development. Their interest is in getting the platform out on time and on budget unless they can obviously deliver earlier and under budget. Sustainment money, however, often comes from a different category of, uh, of origination funding, and therefore it's less in the face or subject to the initial development effort and is often considered uh, as an afterthought. Attended to a refresh cycle are engineering changes required and sourcing new material. Once again, using a ruggedized product will be adequate for a time but then another refresh is required once that particular product performance uh, diminishes or the availability of that particular product goes to what's called EOL or end of life. In avionics, where flight safety is first and foremost, 
and certifications drive the time and cost. We're faced with having to minimize the periodicity of change. However, with Vitronics customers, land systems and the like, the procurement aim seems to deliver the cheapest solution, again, driving also performance, vice a better value solution tending towards longer performance and less refresh, in, and by contrast to uh, the, the challenge of platforms being taken out of service between three to five times uh, as often. Now, speaking of newer technology, what display trends might we see uh, in the future? What are, what are some of the things that we have to look forward to? Well, we're often asked when they can have a 4K OLED television size display in the cockpit. Uh, the challenge here is that uh, OLEDs, uh, or organic light emitting diodes, they're emissive devices. That means that they emit uh, luminance organically from within their existing substrate. Transmissive devices are those type of devices which allow light to pass through the substrate and ultimately render you know, whatever the display is going to show. And that's an AMLCD, an active matrix liquid crystal display. So light is emitted from an OLED as opposed to light being transmitted through an AMLCD. The significance of this is that today a separate backlight is required for an AMLCD, but not for an OLED. The benefit of no separate backlight is that less power is required, but the downside is often reduced luminance. Also, there's no current means to easily adapt OLEDs to support night vision imaging systems or ENVIS compatibility, whereas the development of a true dual mode backlight for ENVIS where the appropriate safeguards are already in place to optimize both the ENVIS performance as well as direct sunlight performance. And this is done through two sets of very distinct LEDs, one designed for day mode and one designed for a night or ENVIS mode. OLEDs have not yet matured as to performance longevity spoken of earlier, which AMLCDs have achieved after 30 plus years of development and manufacturing expertise. Once again, OLEDs were designed for low power and short lifespan. And if you think about the typical alignment to handheld devices and how long they're used before trade-in, I think you'll uh, understand that perspective. And lastly, OLEDs uh, still suffer from image retention, whereas in an, if an image is left on too long, it will burn into the cell and require a lengthy procedure to eliminate or mitigate the image. And you may recall back in the days of plasma television, where the television brand, the CBSI, the NBC Peacock, uh, or the ABC logo, would remain on, basically, in the, the background uh, of the display once you've turned it off. And then when you turn it back on again, you still see that logo uh, down in the lower corner similar types of, uh, of issues. Um, I understand there was a white paper just released on the topic. Can you tell our listeners where they might have access to that? Certainly. You can go to uh, mrcy.com, and just in the search bar, you can type in uh, white papers, and it'll give you a link to all the white papers that are currently out there for access for download. And hopefully that white paper 
uh, we'll deal a little more specific about both uh, selection criteria for avionics as well as uh, vtronics displays. Uh, Jamie, that is all we have time for today. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining me. I wish you safety and good health and um, much success, and I look forward to having you on the show again. Very good, Ralph. Thanks very much for your time. Have a great day. This has been another edition of Mercury Now, a podcast series brought to you by Mercury Systems. I am your host, Ralph Gavarez signing off.